Welcome to episode two of Exploring Wellness, the podcast through which we have conversations about adding years to our lives and life to our years by maximizing our well-being. This episode, we will be discussing navigating the healthcare system. I'm Oren Gersten, family doctor and owner of Portland Direct Primary Care. In my practice, I focus on optimizing wellness by offering personalized care geared towards prevention and proaction. I have two co-hosts, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves, starting with Jason. I'm Jason Guzman. I'm a wellness coach. I help people improve their eating habits, exercise habits, and overall self-care habits so they can boost their well-being and truly thrive. I do a lot of work helping people lose weight, keep it off, and do so in the context of improving their overall well-being. I also do a lot of work to help people reverse and prevent chronic disease through lifestyle. And I have a sort of a specialty of helping people that struggle with yo-yo dieting and exercising in kits and starts and help them learn how to do things in a more sustainable fashion. Um, I think that's good for now. Go ahead, Zach. And I'm Zachary Hegney. I'm the uh, owner and, and practitioner at Maine Sports Acupuncture, a small boutique acupuncture practice here in Portland, Maine, where I focus on athletic injury recovery, uh, sports performance, musculoskeletal pain, uh, and chronic pain. Um, my practice is a combination of both traditional Chinese medicine and, and modern physiology and pain science. And it's good to be with you guys. All right, so this is the team, your three hosts. In each podcast, we discuss a wellness topic and work together to share as much actionable advice with you as we can. Coming from different professional and personal angles means we can complement each other's views and find fresh ways to think about important topics. So the theme this week is navigating the healthcare system. So this is a really broad topic. But it's an interesting conversation point because the three of us all come from different angles within a large healthcare system, complex healthcare system in the United States. So we're going to share a little bit about our experiences um, living and practicing in Maine and hopefully send you home with uh, some things that you can do to improve your health. So why don't we start the episode um, with you, Jason? How do you see wellness coaches fitting in with a larger healthcare system as a whole? Well, you know, one thing I know the three of us have talked about quite a bit is that so much of modern challenge or burden on the healthcare system comes from type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and the other more chronic lifestyle-related diseases. And what wellness coaches specialize in are helping people to adopt the lifestyle behaviors that help prevent and in many cases even reverse these kinds of diseases. So, you know, it's it's definitely slowly being adopted more and more. Um, but I think, you know, at least in the space I occupy, it's sort of common sense that one of the big ways to relieve the burden 
So how do how do people find their way to you? Do you operate with a referral or do people find you on the internet or give us some sense about um how you know how clients find you? It's an interesting question in the context of our larger conversation because we're living in a time where wellness coaches mostly operate, I would say, outside of the mainstream medical system are sort of in, to, to use uh, an analogy to what you're doing, Oren, most wellness coaches are the equivalent of direct primary care physicians. We're working by ourselves, directly with our clients, outside of the insurance system. Um, so most people, I find, do come from referrals from doctors, referrals from nurse practitioners, uh, referrals from physical therapists, occupational therapists, chiropractors. Um, but that's gradually changing. There are, um, more and more hospital systems adopting, uh, wellness coaches as, as, as part of their staffs. Um, some of that is coming as the field is, uh, getting more standardized. There's now a national board certification for health and wellness coaches, um, and more training programs across the country so that quality is getting standardized a little bit. And so I think this will be an interesting thing to see where this goes in the next, you know, 5, 10, 20 years, whether insurance gets involved, whether it does, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, if it does. Um, these are all sort of open questions for me right now. Interesting. And then, uh, Zach, I want to bring you into the conversation as well. So as a practitioner, uh, you, with your perspective as someone who, who treats people, uh, what advice do you have for a patient who's, who's looking for a provider or looking for a healthcare person to take care of them? Or do you have criteria that you give people or practical advice for someone just kind of like venturing out into the um, healthcare uh, marketplace? Sort of resources. Who who might who might have had experience with doctor 
know, in X profession or Y profession or what, or that this specialty or that. Um, so I think a good foundation is word of mouth um, from somebody that you trust. And then there are sort of other sort of levels of, of, of um, examination that we can kind of talk about. But I think that's a good starting place because when you go onto the internet, let's face it, it's, it's, it's somewhat of a crapshoot. Um, you don't have a great, everybody has a shingle on, on the internet these days, so it's a little tough to gauge um, quality and interpersonal sort of uh, qualities in that way. And I think in a place like Maine, that might be a little bit easier to do than in maybe a big city because people know their neighbors for the most part. People talk a lot, and I, th- I think that there's information readily shared. You know, I wonder if we're just coming – I wonder if we have a unique experience up here in Maine where we're not – you know, we're not living in the super rural parts of Maine, but we're living in um, a small enough town that people kind of know each other. Word gets out. Do you think where you practice um, – has an influence on kind of uh, ability to find a good provider? Yeah, so, I mean, for my practice, I, I'm at a, I, I'm at an acupuncturist that works in a sort of a traditional medical setting. I work as part of a larger healthcare practice um, in, with, in, in orthopedics. And so I have good relationships with doctors and PAs and physical therapists who are working in the same patient population. Um, that's a very different sort of reality than the independent provider who might have a, you know, rent space, you know, in a, in a regular office space or something like that. So the context is always super important. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on, um, what can go wrong when people get lost in the system or if navigation doesn't go well? I think implicit in this conversation is the fact that our healthcare system is just super complex and it's not easy to navigate and people may not necessarily know what they're looking for or know the right questions to ask. Do you guys have any examples of, um, you know, situations or, um, people that have gotten kind of lost in the system or places where our healthcare system needs improvement? Well, I can think of one uh, relatively recent, and I, I think we actually shared it with, with both of you guys recently, and I think it starts to answer your question. It's the gentleman I spoke about recently who was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and was given a, a referral within the hospital system to a, a diabetes counselor and had a 25-minute or so meeting with that person and went home with a with a packet of info and, and the instructions to uh, have his A1C tested in about six months again. And I think if he ultimately knew me through the kind of thing Zach's talking about, through, through word of mouth. So he's looking at hey, I've got to make some real lifestyle improvements to, to turn this around. And short of that word of mouth reaching him, I think he might have thought, well, this is this is what the system said to do. This is my only option. Um, so I think that's, that's a shortcoming in, in many ways is that people are busy, people are tired, and in the case when you're, when you're sick on some level, you're also under that strain. So it's very easy to just sort of go with the flow, and sometimes the flow might 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I see this a lot from a primary care perspective. People kind of getting caught up in a flow and either getting swept into decisions that they don't necessarily want to take, so um, too much care, or getting left behind by a system that just doesn't you know necessarily meet them where they're at. So not having enough care. And in my job. I see a lot of my job as a guide. So we're using these metaphors for like navigating the healthcare system. And you can extend that metaphor to, you know, like a, having a guide to help you go through things. And I think important qualifications for a guide would be, you know, someone who understands what your values are. So understanding who you're working with. So the way that I would guide patient A um, versus patient B totally depends on what patient A's goals are, you know, someone might be super hands on and they might say, you know, doc, you know, I want to hear about XYZ study. And, um, you know, I want you to talk to me in depth about all my different options. And then person B might be like, you know, I want a guide who's going to tell me what they think the best option is and then email me a few resources. And then, you know, that's it. I feel like a big shortcoming of our healthcare system is there's not room for A and B. It's kind of a one size fits all system. And uh, I just feel like people don't, and, and, and this is my perception, but also people have told me this, that they don't feel like they're getting listened to that, um, you know, they have these conversations with providers and then they're going to leave with the same thing, no matter what, well, what was the point of the conversation? So I wonder if there's a way that we can improve that kind of improve the communication part of things. Another group of, of patients and just look at the outcome. 
Jason, do you want to chime in? Yeah, well, I think, you know, playing off with what you said, Warren, I think, you know, one, and I don't have all the answers or even necessarily some of the answers of how to put this in place, but simply making more time for more listening and more of a relationship, that seems to solve a lot of a lot of problems. Um, and, you know, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll take that back. I think the the system you're working in, the system I'm working in, those are two places that do make more space for listening and, and guiding um, and, and doing some of what, what Zach is talking about. Uh, there are plenty of things that I am not qualified to specifically do or to specifically advise my clients on. But I do think just by there being enough time for them to get in touch with what their values are, talk about what their obstacles and challenges are, um, it, it does play some of a role of this sort of patient advocate, sort of like uh, general contractor for them to take care of themselves, both in terms of the, the lifestyle behaviors that don't require an additional practitioner, but also to make good choices like, should I, what's the best move for me with some back pain? Should I see a physical therapist? Should I see a chiropractor? Should I see an acupuncturist? What have I tried in the past? Um, and to help them make those kind of decisions, I think um, people can find that uh, kind of guidance really valuable. Nice. And it's, it seems like in both the answers that you guys gave, there's kind of this, undercurrent that it doesn't have to be one person doing all these things like we can have different providers and different roles kind of filling uh different needs for people you know uh one provider doesn't have to do everything so with that what's your guys experience with working with the healthcare system as a whole um you know working with other providers asking for help when you need it um you know provider to provider communications what's what's that like from where you're sitting I think that I think that most professionals would love 
way as possible, but I, I think some parts of the system are better equipped to do so than, than others. Yeah, I think it, it, it has to do with sort of the level of um, urgency, I suppose, right? Like if, if somebody is in renal failure, right, there's a different sort of code of conduct and sort of communication in, in, in sort of that acute sort of phase, right? But if we're talking about um, primary care and, and maintaining sort of a robust uh, physiology and um, uh, mental, you know, sort of being, being well, let's, let's call it. Um, I, you know, I had the experience of working in a physical therapy clinic um, where I worked with six or seven other physical therapists in the same space with the same patients. And it was like the best professional experience I had because we were able, we were coming at the problem of shoulder pain or neck pain or back pain or um, whatever the issue was from a different perspective, but we were face to face, and so we weren't reading each other's notes. We weren't sort of you know looking at a Slack channel or you know reading an email about the the situation. We were able to communicate face to face and have and sometimes with the patient present. You know we were both in the um, so that level of interfacing between professionals was like a breath of fresh air. Um, now in a more sort of structured environment where there's different, we're not in the same space and there's different modes of communication, um, you know, I, to, to properly communicate with, you know, a surgeon, I have to send a fax and it's 2020. And so sending a fax right, because I'm not on the same software system, yada, 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 whatever it is, um, that, that's, a, that, that, that's a problem, right? So um, face-to-face interaction where you're sort of, the goal is to serve the, the patient, I can't, I, I can't imagine a context where that is not sort of the optimal um, environment for, for interprofessional communication. Huh. Yeah, it's just become such a complex system from the seat I'm sitting in. I think in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, the number of people offering specialized services has just increased exponentially. And so a lot of people don't even know who the right person is to treat their problem. Like even if you're just looking inside like a Western medical context, like there there are doctors who treat kidneys and only kidneys. But then if your kidney problem is an autoimmune kidney problem, you need to see a rheumatologist. But if your kidney problem is caused by diabetes, you need to see an endocrinologist. Like the general public doesn't have the wherewithal or the training to know the nuances of some of these, um, you know, uh, very specialized services. So I think that that's one challenge. If you're trying to navigate that system for yourself, you're kind of stuck either being lucky enough to have a, a primary care doctor who's in the system who can tell you what to do or Googling it and having a 50-50 chance of coming up with good information or uh, garbage information. I tell, I tell people, and this is kind of like jokingly, but kind of not, that as a primary care doctor, my main competition isn't other primary care, care doctors. It's Dr. Google, people thinking that they're going to be able to address their problems by going to med school on Wikipedia. And, um, you know, it's not to knock people's intelligence um, at all. I think people have incredible ability to resilient, be resilient and to, 
you know, heal themselves. But if you're trying to come up with scientific explanations for complex, you know, human disease processes, the answers are not on Wikipedia for the most part. Or if they are, you need some experience to weed through what's important to read and what's not important to read. So I feel like this in the modern age, Google is kind of like the best friend, but also the worst enemy of, uh, of the primary care doctor. Totally. Yeah, I think that's probably true in the, in the whole realm that I work in too. I mean, you can imagine the, the misinformation around eating programs and exercise programs that's out there. You know, there's definitely some degree of, um, helping a person unlearn the things they've learned as they're, as they're looking to really move into practices that are truly effective for them. Um, yeah, information is, uh, can help and it, and it can hurt, I suppose. You know, one of the challenges that I face is the, is what is the appropriate level of, of information to give, right? Or how to give that information, right? You get, like you were saying, um, earlier or you could totally you know overburden somebody with um really high level or deep information about a certain topic um and and almost kind of cause a a, a greater misunderstanding uh, or you could say like a very simple sort of elegant short phrase that kind of paints the picture for uh, a patient and in, in the context of, of their condition that actually helps them overcome it and, and improve. This is a really big uh, problem in, in the domain of chronic pain where the, the issue is the, the, the problem per se is not necessarily a tissue level patho- pathology but more of a system-wide dysregulation of the nervous system and a really good understanding of that process can be therapeutic um, but also you know, making sure that the, the appropriate language and the appropriate level of, of, of dialogue um, is super important to that process. Nice. So I'm going to put you guys on the spot because um, we've, we've been talking about a lot of really challenging pieces of the healthcare system, which is, is good. I mean, I think you have to acknowledge the problems to make things better. But I, I want to end maybe on a hopeful note. So uh, I think it would be cool if we could share, you know, some some good parts about this system and maybe a way to do that would be if you could if you could add one thing to the system, if you could implement a change right now with a magic wand, you know, money was not an object. There was no bureaucracy, blah, blah, blah. You could you could make a, a fix to our healthcare system. You know, what would that be? And uh, since I'm putting you guys on the spot, I'll put myself on the spot first. I really like to see some improvements in medical records. As a primary care doctor, I'm just expected to synthesize a lifetime of information and make recommendations for people based on their medical history. And so many times that medical information is just limited by, you know, it's in five different states or it's um, the fax is cut off or you know, it's 500 pages of information and who's got time to read all of that and only seven of those pages are useful. That's not an exaggeration. I routinely get several hundred pages of faxed medical records and two to three pages of it 
contains useful information. So if I was going to change one thing about our healthcare system, it would be this element of cumbersome records. I don't know. I think it would be really cool to have a disc or a chip or something that just had the important parts of someone's medical record on it, had the things that have worked for them in the past. And then all of us that are treating people, we're working with up-to-date and current information rather than half the information that we need. Um, yeah, either of you guys, whoever wants to weigh in, feel free. Yeah, I'll go. I mean, if I had this, um, this magic wand, um, and we're referring to the system, so to speak, as, as, you know, the, the whole thing, the education, the, um, uh, you know, the, the hospitals, uh, the whole thing, um, I would... If you could really do this with a magic wand, I would start to instill a value of proactive prevention over, not even over, but to complement how good we are at reactive intervention. And, you know, I've been reflecting on this recently with COVID-19, and, you know, so my, my dream would be not that in any way we take away how strongly we are reacting and intervening because it's it's saving lives. But if we could somehow capture the the sense of urgency that we have right now and somehow bring that urgency to proactive prevention, uh, that would be spectacular. Now to make that a little bit more practical, I think that means working together on all levels physicians, wellness coaches, exercise physiologists, dietitians, every, everywhere in between preaching a, a, a message of prevention. And, and I think the general population getting that message from many, many different angles, but eventually it starts to, to take hold a little bit more firmly.
Guys, thank you. Thank you for your thoughts. Um, we're ra- we have to wrap up the episode. Any final thoughts from either of you guys? Not right now. All right, Jason, Zach, thanks for taking the time to sit down and share your thoughts and experience. Um, In the episode notes, you'll find links to our website where you'll find our contact information. We welcome your questions about anything we talked about today or anything else on your mind. We also welcome your suggestions for future episode topics. We'd love to hear from you. Now, the disclaimer. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or other healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not delay in obtaining medical advice from, for any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of a healthcare professional for any such conditions. And we'd just like to say the contributors to this podcast do not have any financial conflicts of interest to disclose. So that's it for this episode. Stay tuned uh, for episode three. Thanks for listening.